began to look at the episode of Lazarus's uh, raising to life. It wasn't a resurrection. Now, let me throw a question out. Why do I say that it wasn't a resurrection? Yeah, he got the same one back. And what happens to that body a couple of decades later? Yeah, a resurrection is a one way thing. When we resurrect it, what sort of body do we get? Spiritual. Yes, and, and, and where's the first, where do we first see that resurrected body? In, not before, in Jesus. He is the only one to ever get a resurrected body. Hey, you want to know what resurrected life is every life? What could Jesus do with food? Eat. What planet could he inhabit? This one. What could he do when he came across walls, locked buildings, walk through them? He could be touched and yet walk through things. He could be wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted. These are some of the dimensions of your resurrected body. You want to know what it's going to be like on the new planet? Just look at what Jesus' body was like, what he could do. That's how you're going to be. Which means, Jerry, you're going to look slightly different. Remember, they couldn't recognize him. He looked different. Just in play, far more handsome than he's ever been. It was a wedding day. You know? And so we'll look different. We'll be physical and spiritual simultaneously. Wow. It's going to be exciting. You want a resurrected body, really. So believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We'll start the sermon in the So let me tell you about a kiddies cartoon. Has anybody seen Zootopia? Yeah, of course. I mean, you love these kiddies cartoons. They're not just for kids, you know. You know, most of the humour is adult. It's not that I'm, I'm very <laughs> childish in my humour. Most of it is technical humour. And this is all, a great film about a rabbit who wants to be a police officer. Uh, she finally makes it into the academy, she's got a role, and <coughs> she comes across this wily fox. Anyway, uh, her name is Judy, the fox is Nick, and she enlists him on trying to, trying to solve the murder mystery of missing uh, ferocious creatures. Sixteen of them have gone missing. She gets the help of this fox, he's wily, and she can make it easy, he's playing playing her a bit, uh, and they need to trace up a registration plate. So they look at the Department of Mammal Vehicles. The thing is, it's run by sloths, okay? Right, and she's in a rush. And these things are just everything. It's at this speed. And she's pulling it. I mean, you wish you'd have stopped at that speed, don't you? <laughs> hey, don't laugh at that, that wasn't even funny. Right? And, and so she's pulling her hair out, and one of them tells a joke to another. And he's going, How long this joke takes? And she's going to get on with this thing. By the time they leave the building, it's evening. Look, what will tell you that? You know, it seems like God is like that. Seriously, dealing with God and the way he responds to our prayers. It's like he's on the, the biggest ghost log you can imagine. 
You, you put in your head, don't you? But God, don't you realize the urgency here? And it doesn't seem to us. Everything is always at these one, methodical, slow pace. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, I'm sure we see one. He's so slow. He arrives too late. It's too late. He didn't get there in time. If only he booked up his ideas and got to move on, it may have answered our prayer or done the thing that we need in time. And then, in God, if you've been quicker, if you consider, if you heard, actually did something, then I would be in this situation. It can be like that, can't it? Now, be honest, don't sit there and say, oh, it's never like with me. Let's just be honest. It's like that, isn't it? Don't ever pretend with God. He reads minds. <laughs> he knows exactly what you're thinking. Don't try to pretend. Just be honest. Disappointed when we know this. Because it knows what you're feeling. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes we just want God to do it now. It's just a very patient. We are. And we're going to see that today, Charles. We're going to see, we're going to see that God's timing is always spot on. Always, always perfect. You see, we'll see today that he does care. That he does hear. And he may have been at God's level, but it's because he's omniscient. What does that mean? What does that mean? God is omniscient. What does that mean? Mary, the brother of Lazarus, now lay sick, 
was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped her feet with her hair. But we live in a culture when if men get sick, you win. <laughs> you know, you know, I, you know, often you know, you know, on compassion. You know, we get the label of man flu. It's like, well, we don't really get sick. If we're sick, it must be defensiveness. Look, look, look what I'm sick, I'm sick, right? Get that, okay? So, in that culture, if you were sick, and whether or not you were a guy or not, this was a serious thing. To be sick in that culture, maybe you were dying from you see, the medical expertise, however good it was, you know, wasn't what it was them. Even today, 2,000 years on, we're struggling to find a vaccine in time to stop deaths. You can imagine how difficult things were back in that day. This is a medical emergency. Lazarus is not just sick, he's dying. And so, the matter is serious. Here's what the sisters do. This is a family, a trio family. Okay, a brother and two sisters. The sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus. Notice the way they are applying pressure on Jesus. Okay, notice, Lord, the one you love is sick. You see the pressure that's applied on Jesus? Bethany lies three kilometers from the capital. And, and so, and this is a wealthy family. Uh, later on we see what, what, what one of the sisters Mary does with a year's worth of wages of perfume. Okay, now to do that is wealthier. It's a wealthy family. They live near the capital. What will they ever have had access to? Wealthy family living near the capital. What will they ever have access to? Pardon? Transport? To? To what? What would you do? If you live near the capital, you've got a lot of money, and you're poorly, what have you got access to? Transport for what? Doctors. So what has this family not got of? They've exhausted all medical avenues. They could have gone into the city, ordered a doctor, driven him back. Okay, no time at all. So it's only 3K. Okay, so we can be sure that they've exhausted all other avenues. They sent the message to Jesus. Jesus by this free time is in Batania, which is 150 k's from Bethany. I've got a map, I'm going to show you now. Look, this is where they are. And the next one, please, quick. But here's the map of Israel. The Lazarus is down in Bethany, near Jerusalem, just east of Jerusalem. Jesus is across the Jordan. In the region of Batania, okay, 150 kilometers away, they sent a message 150 kilometers away to Jesus. John 10 tells us where he was. Jesus went back across the Jordan. He's now baptizing in that region. Let me ask you a question. 150 k's, okay, in a car, Brenton, an hour? Couple of hours, okay? Okay, if you want to keep within the speed limit. Okay, one foot. How long would you How long would you How long would it take you to travel, you know, realistically, on foot, across that distance? Ten days. Possibly, yeah, I guess so. 15k a day. How far do you walk? And well, at least in that region, you're looking at more like a four-day journey. 
A typical Jew in Jesus' traveling country will take about four days to travel there. It's four days away. So they sent a courier to Jesus. They obviously knew where he was to send a courier, but at least roughly where he was, where it would spread. The, the courier would have taken four days to get to Jesus. They sent the courier with this message, Lord, the one you love is sick. It's a long way for Jesus to come. He's an itinerant preacher. Okay, from the ladies' ministry, it's going to take a lot. And so they apply the pressure, Lord, the one you love, the one you're affectionate towards, it is, it's your man, Jesus. Okay, it, it, it's someone that is dear to you. And so, verse 6, let me move on to verse. Is it verse 6? I think it's verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus, Jesus said, This sickness will not lead to death. Is so that God's Son may be glorified. So the courier has got to Jesus. It's taken four days for him to get there. Jesus gets the message and notices his response. This sickness will not end in death. Now we know the story, don't we? And so already you're putting out your hair. It will not end in death. Can you see what Jesus is saying and what he is not saying? So tell me. What is Jesus saying and what is he not saying? He's, he's, he's not saying that he's not going to die. He's just saying yes. that he's not going to end. Thanks, thanks, Can you get this difference? He's not suggesting that there may not be death in this equation, but that's not how it's going to end. This story, when Jesus has finished with it, whether now in time or in eternity, one in death because of what's coming on. Here's two things to tell you, and here's the first one, and it's important for us to understand this. The first one is this, that God has charge over sickness. Can you see Jesus is saying that? For him to say something like that, it's showing that God has charge over sickness. And I think we need to understand this. This is God's sovereignty. It's the doctrine of God's sovereignty. That God has charge of whatever you feel. Whatever you're facing. Whatever is weighing you down. Whatever is making your existence difficult. God has charge over it. That's why we pray. Because he has charge. Jesus demonstrates. And the second thing he demonstrates is at least this sickness. I'm going to assume other sicknesses too. This one at least is to do with the glorification of who? And, and and you're going to look at me, someone's already going wrong. Okay, okay. Read the text. Okay. This is the ultimate glorification of who? <coughs> Jesus. Well, well, as Peter said, the Jew are in mind, but ultimately and finally, Jesus. You know, we think of God, and he's the one being, but he's existing in three parts. Father, Son, Spirit. And it's in this juncture at least, the ultimate purpose of God, and it's actually all the way through, all the time, God's ultimate purpose is a glorification of His Son. Okay? And, and Jesus tells us this, well, this is in John 5, 23. That God has sent His Son into the world, that all may honour the Son as they honour the Father. In fact, says Jesus, he who does not honour the Father does not honour the Son. 
God is most zealous for the glory of His Son. Do we understand that? God is most passionate that His Son is recognized. God is most careful about the state of His Son and how people are responding to His Son. He did not honor the son, did not honor the father who sent him. Let me tell you true stories. When I was 16, yesterday, Both 
of his son. It's more than silly, but have you ever wondered why all the songs are about Jesus? Have you ever wondered why God never gets a look in? It's all Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus him. You know what that is? Because he who does not honor the Son does not or cannot honor the Father. That's what he's right. Be taken up with him. Be absorbed with him. Mention his name. Sing his name. Say his name. Repeat his name. Love his name. Oh, well, do we still have this in here? Hold it. Oh, oh, how I love the name of Jesus. Oh, how I love the name of Jesus, the sweetest name on earth. Do we see that in it? It's beautiful. Don't you love his name? Don't you love his name? It's the sweetest name on earth. Well, I'll tell you that because Jesus as in the center of our worship. So they sent word to Jesus, and Jesus says, this is for his glorification. This is to bring honor to God, yes, but ultimately bring honor to Jesus. Verse 16. So when, when he heard this, the Lazarus was sick, and he's probably coming to the heart of our sermon here. Jesus stayed where he was two more days. And we know the Bible comes to us in the New Testament at least from Greek. Koine Greek is an old, easy, okay, common Greek. If you ever wonder why Mom says his accent is so different to Jeff's, Jeff speaks the most beautiful English, doesn't he? Think, this guy's meant to be from England, but it sounds nothing like Jeff, Abby Jeff. It's because uh, I don't care, I'm from the common place. <laughs> Seriously. Brilliant. But it's the most common place in Britain. We have the most common accent. So common, but they never put it on TV. They never put us on TV. You know, seriously, people just laugh at us. Okay? But that's why you are not familiar with my accent. I really am from there. Okay? Koine Greek was that common Greek that the lay person, the ordinary guy on the street spoke. Jesus used it. What do you think Jesus used the most common language? Simplest Greek, that the common Greek. Why do you think he did that? Because he was reaching. Yes. Starting with the most common people. Shows that some of the, the condescension that he would speak the most common form of language in existence that day. And he's saying, when he's translating, you lose something. Here's what commentators say is a better translation of this verse. The next slide there. Yeah, great. This is what he actually says. When therefore he heard that Lazarus was sick, he delayed two days. What's that saying? When therefore he heard that Lazarus was sick, he delayed two days. What's he saying? When he heard that Lazarus was sick, what's he, what's he, what's he saying that Jesus did? <coughs> he deliberately said. That's the point. And I think we have to understand this. That Jesus wasn't like kind of tied up in, a, in something, he wasn't tied up loose ends. No, the moment that he heard that Lazarus was sick, and by now he'd been sick four days, he deliberately, willfully, consciously, intelligently waited to work. That's 
Jesus gets them, what's happened? He's dead. The man is dead. And then here's Jesus. Knowing the emergency. Knowing how much Mary and Martha were struggling. Delay. Deliberately. To If I sent you a message saying, you know, one of the kids is poorly, you're a doctor, and you took two days to get better. Let me tell you what, what, what's going on? Doesn't he care? Because you left this thing in. Doesn't he care? Why? I want to show you something. I think it's the next one there, Greg. Look, I'll, I'll draw this up now. It took some time to try and cut this out. So let me try. I want to show you something. I want to show you why that delay didn't cause Lazarus' death. I was essential for what Jesus was doing. Let me show you some stuff here. Look, we said it takes four days for the courier to get to Jesus. So I want you to look at this now. Day zero is the earliest day that Jesus could depart. If the courier four days at good pace on a determined journey to get to Jesus, that means Lazarus was ill on four days earlier, okay? On day zero, Lazarus had been ill four days. Jesus gets the message. He could have left immediately. This is an emergency, okay? He could have left. So that's the earliest Lazarus that Jesus could have left with the courier. If he left on that day, he would have arrived a little bit in a second. He actually waited two days. He left on day two. Jesus departs for Bethany. He left on day two. He would have taken him four days to get to Lazarus. Again, a good pace. He would have arrived on day six. Day six is how many days since Lazarus was ill? Ten days. By the time he got there, Lazarus had already been dead how many days? Four days. If we trace back four days from day six, what day on what day did Lazarus die? Day two. The day that Jesus departs. So Jesus departs on the day that Lazarus goes. In fact, he tells Thomas, on the day he departs, well, let us go. Lazarus has fallen asleep. So Jesus waited until he died and then departs. He knew he died because he knows all things. Let me ask you a question here. If Jesus had left on the day that the courier had got to him, day zero, at the very moment he heard the message, without a single second delay, at what state would he have found Lazarus when he arrived? For two days, yes. So here's the point I want to make is whether or not Jesus left immediately, as you would have expected him, or waited at the two days until he died, either way he was going to die. Jesus could not at normal pace with his disciples have got there on time. So the point I'm trying to make is that Jesus' delay wasn't because of his indifference. He didn't cause the death. His delay wasn't to increase the anguish deliberately to get this guy to die and cause all this anguish and pain for these days. Whenever he left, even if he left immediately, the guy would have been dead. Jesus finds Lazarus already in the tomb four days. I think next slide, please. Right there, verse 11. Jesus tells him, look, he's fallen asleep. Let's go to him. That's a question we're asking. 
We'll go back to the next slide, please. Is if Jesus delays and he's on his seat, he knows everything. Why the delay? Because he was two days more morning, wasn't he? If he could have got there two days earlier, he could have at least cut the morning down in two days. Why the delay? Uh, this is a difficult one. It's a lot of reading to try to get my head around this. Why the two extra days? Why didn't he get the two days closer and raise him two days earlier? Why did Jesus wait so that by the time he got there, there was a... Remember what the, what the woman said about that if we open the tomb, there will be a stench. I mean, what a delay. Someone have a go. I won't embarrass you, unless your name is Nikki, because you've been laughing at me. <laughs> Okay, no doubt, no doubt, that is one of the answers. It will still work. It will still work. Okay, no doubt. Because of that, I mean, Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus anyway. So it would be more, even more powerful to do the work you're supposed to do, then go back and then raise him. Yes, and, and you're getting very close to something I was going to say. That's very warm. What do people want to Okay, so. so which is that people go? So people shut up. Are you going to spoil my servant? Stop! 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 <laughs> <laughs> You're not bad. I'll come back to you at the end. She's going to spoil my servant. You know, I'll come to you in a second. I like that. Now, just see what Pam's going to say. Pam's saying everything is in his perfect timing. Yes, it is. It is. And then, and then this young lady, Pippa, I've got his Pippa, look, stand with you, please. That's a good thing. Yeah. I know that. Know that. But shout it out to pick it up at the mic. Because people had been known to come alive again after three days. So it had to be the fourth day because that was the kind of like the cutoff. That's exactly the answer. Charlatans operated in that region. And they're, all, they're always all over the place. And people knew <coughs> that within the first couple of days in a society, when someone dies here, what do you have to have done before you. Certified only by a GP, a doctor. No one else. They have to be a doctor. In that age, what did you do when somebody died in a hot climate? What did you do in a hot climate when somebody died? You bed as quickly as possible. And hey, this is a frightening thought. But sometimes they buried you. And so these charlatans operated, whereby they knew this would happen from time to time. So they'd come in those early one or two days when someone was still alive, when they came round again in the tomb, and he was like, hey, hey, presto! And it was really the fact that they weren't dead. In fact, this still happens today. I read of a case in South Africa a couple of years ago, when a man was thought to be dead. He in the mortuary for 21 hours until he started banging. I think it's been let out. See it in South Africa. Don't go there. Don't go there. Okay. Seriously. I mean, this, there's, there's records of this in Britain of people carrying coffins to a burial site. And serious. not there. It's why. It's why we have these protocols in place in our country. And so. Can you see what's going on here? Jesus is delaying. So he 
ensure that this resurrection, sorry, not resurrection, this raising to life looks authentic. This is one of his last miracles. It's perhaps his greatest miracle on earth by his own resurrection. And Jesus wants to ensure, I'm running out of time, and Jesus wants to ensure that this miracle has the effect of converting people, transforming people's lives, of convincing people he really is the Messiah, that he's not some cheap charlatan who's just doing some trickery, that he stands by every new, and, and, and he, was, he was almost written in stone, if you like, everyone knew by day four, hence what the lady said, Lord, there's a stench. By day four, nobody opened the tomb. That was it. Nobody opened the tomb. For Jesus to do that then would put it beyond that any shadow there. That's why so many people were converted. And here's what I'm coming to. Christian, Jesus is omniscient. Let me tell you that if you don't know that, or if you need to remind you, I need to remind you about that. I do. I forget. I'm such a know-it-all. I forget that he knows when we need You know, he knows everything. He knows everything on every day of history and outside history. He knows exactly what you'll be thinking and doing and saying in 2051 at 2314 minutes and 12 seconds. But you'll think that's easy, obviously. <laughs> okay. But he does. And that's why Jesus delayed. Let me tell you a true story. I saw this on Discovery Channel and heard it once in a sermon on the for this sermon. Okay. A couple training in the Chicago Bible College. Okay? To, to do ministry. They were coming to the end of their course, they were, had the exam date set on a particular date, but they were in touch with the, with the Bible College on the other side of, 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 of America, and we know in Australia, you know, one side to the other side looks like it's a five-hour flight, okay, from one side to the other, roughly. And so they looked at this flight from one side of America to the other side for a ministry interview, a very important ministry opportunity. They've been trained for ministry. So they assumed that their Bible colleague would allow them to postpone, delay their final exams, and they just booked the flights. When their Bible college early, they weren't having any of it. They were adamant that they were going to sit the exam and no one changed their dates unless it was a medical emergency. And you can imagine when they cancelled the flight, they had a bad nerve in the college they were. Had this Bible college lost its way and didn't appreciate or what they've been trained for. Didn't they understand that this is what they've been trained for? Ministry? And here they are, you know, potentially going to lose a ministry opportunity because of an exam. For goodness sake. So they cancelled their flight and made it their flight 191 on Friday the 20th of May 1979. That afternoon, after they sat their exam, Whilst they're sitting in the bar, these first reports began coming. The American Airlines Flight 191 crashed on takeoff and killed all 271 
passengers and 13 crew. That's a true story. That was their fight. That would be their end. See, that delay in their travel arrangements and into different ministry wasn't destroying their chance of ministry. It was preserving That's why we shouldn't speed on the road. Oh. We shouldn't question God's timing. You see, God's purpose is for us and answers to prayer are tied to his omniscience. He knows these things. He knows the consequences of, of, of where we're going before we're going. He knows the consequences if we get there too early or too late. He knows the perfect timing for answers to your prayers, child. He knows exactly what time it would be the right time. When it would be too bad or when it would be just right. Look, we want everything now. It makes sense to me to have what I want now. Because I'm so short-sighted. Stupid, aren't I? We want everything now. It's going to be now. Now, now. And I'm going to go to God and it's going to be now. We can't have one now. God knows when the best time, the right time to answer that prayer. And he knows exactly the way to answer that prayer at that time. That's what Jesus wants us to understand, friends. His delays are because of, it, of indifference or cold-heartedness. And not because he doesn't care. Not because he, he can't hear you. There's no point shouting louder. Although, okay, and now then, we need to do that, don't we? God isn't afraid of your shit. God isn't afraid of you shaking your fist. God isn't afraid of you losing you. He just stands there and waits for us to come. In His grace, He often speaks to me. How many times do you hear Him speak to you in your heart through a text, through something somebody says, and He says, Wait on me. Wait. Not today. 